We're here today in Acts chapter 8 together. So let's take a look at verse 1. Now Saul, he was consenting to his death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word of God. You got that underlined? <laughs> they went everywhere preaching the word. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, they came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. And Father, we thank you once again for your word God, there is a lot set here before us this morning, and I pray and ask for each and every single person that's walked through the doors of this building today, Father, or who may be watching right now online, your word is truth. Father, would you sanctify us today by your word? We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen? So I entitled this morning's sermon, Samaritans, a sorcerer and the Savior. So there's a lot of different things. We're going to change gears quite a bit in these few verses we're going to get through together today. Uh, but I encourage you guys to be engaged here because there's a lot, I think, for us as believers. Um, I want to share a story with you guys real quick. It was during the reign of uh, Oliver Cromwell. Uh, the British government had begun to run low on silver for coins. And Lord Cromwell, he sent men on an investigation of the local cathedral to see if they could find any of this precious metal there. Well, after investigating, they reported the only silver that we could find is the statues of the saints standing in the corners. To which the radical soldier and statesman of England replied, Good, we'll melt them down, or we'll melt down the saints and put them back into circulation. I love that. I love that. You see, what we have set before us really is the first church-wide persecution taking place. And what's happening as a result of that? Well, believers in general, um, <laughs> we're being persecuted here. Sometimes we look, well, persecution of believers, that's just those over in the Middle East or Africa or the missionaries that have gone here or there. Well, here, if you were a believer, you were being persecuted. It didn't matter where you were. It wasn't just a designated few. So following the death of Stephen, it led to the scattering of these Jewish Christians, and thus we have the first evangelical tour. We have Philip as being the first evangelist, and we have a result of this first mass uh, evangelism take place. So we see the exit, uh, the church's first martyr. Okay, we went through Stephen, and now that now takes us into entering Saul of Tarsus. And again, look at chapter 7, verse 58 for a second. It says, they laid down their clothes at the feet of Saul. If you guys recall, we went through the first martyr. We looked at Stephen, and who was there consenting to his death, to his martyrdom? There's Saul holding the clothes of all those who were picking up stones to have this man killed. Now, Stephen's witness was a tremendous impression upon Saul, which we'll read later in Acts 20, verse 20. He testifies to it. Now, the death of Stephen seemed to be a defeat for the church, but it has resulted in some great victories in the Lord. And I want you guys to catch this. Receive this. Never give up when the enemy seems to be winning. It may be your finest hour of victory. That's truth. Don't give up because God might be doing the most right in that moment. 
So it is even seems just before one gets saved that the devil seems to pour out his whole arsenal against the person. You ever see that happen? Oh man, there's Christians sharing, they're seeking, they're reading, they're considering, and it doesn't seem like the devil's just after him like crazy right then working. And sometimes even those individuals, you can see them fighting it. Okay, truth is now beginning to be exposed to them, and they're like, whoa, <laughs> I'm not liking this. I don't want to see this. You know, people are on a quest to find God. And a lot of people, they begin to see the truth. Oh, this is the true and living God, and he actually wants to know me. Not just that, I would know him. And people get a little scared, and they start backing away from it. And oftentimes, guys, we see people fighting because of fear they have frustrations and they're just not wanting to submit to come to the lord and god praise him stays after them um i love that song we ran this morning we can't run we can't run <laughs> god loves us do you guys know that his holy spirit we're told in john right now is convicting the world of their sin of righteousness okay he's doing that because he longs for none to perish. I love it. So, um, his desire, if we think about what Satan wants to do, is he really wants to stomp out the early church. Okay? Does he want it to advance? Does he like that Jesus rose from the dead and that these believers are stepping up and being willing to die for their faith? No. Do you think Satan was bringing everything he had to try to quench the early church, to stomp it out? Absolutely. That's what he does. And I wonder if Augustine was correct when he said, if Stephen had not prayed, Paul had not preached. Could be. Look at verse 3 with me again. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. The picture is one of midnight raids, Good people, poorly treated, and human rights disregarded in the name of religion for the sake of God. That's how ugly this has gotten. Wow, it sounds like Africa today. I know that's the country that we kind of ignore, we don't want to talk about, but it's going on throughout the whole continent, guys. All this religious warfare taking place. So Saul's holy crusade... Okay. I want you guys to flip over to Galatians with me. Just a couple bucks to your right. Uh, chapter uh, 1 of Galatians. We're going to look at uh, verse 13 because this is Saul's personal testimony. Of course he's writing Galatians when he's a believer, but he's reflecting back to who he was as a Pharisee, is Saul. Okay? And it tells us here in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, this is from his own mouth, his own pen. He says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. So who was Satan's puppet? <laughs> it was Saul, a man being radically used. And that encourages me, guys. Because some of the people that we see, oh man, they are evil. Look at the extremes they go to. Look at how dark their life is. How much sin they love. Man, get that person saved. <laughs> Isn't that what happened with Paul? Just think how radical he was. He was to the point, hey, I'm persecuting the church. I tried. Me, myself, I wanted to destroy the church. I was going to do it in. So, Saul the persecutor, entering every house as Satan's instrument. Later, Paul, the pastor, the teacher, went from house to house as Christ's servant. Isn't that beautiful? And that's what God can do. Only he can change a person that radically. Now, if you look at verse 4, we begin to see uh, these Messianic Samaritans, okay? Um, and you guys know a little bit of the, the Samaritan background. But verse 4 tells us here, Therefore those who were scattered, they went everywhere preaching the word. Even to Samaria. You guys remember you don't go to the Samaritans? 
We ignore them. We're the good Jews over here in Jerusalem. We don't have any contact with them. But they went everywhere, didn't they? Even to the people they didn't want to go to. I love it. And the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That is so true. Such persecution persecution, uh, could have smothered the flame of Christ. Instead, like pouring gasoline on a burning match, the suffering fueled a fire that exploded into even greater evangelism. Okay? And I love that illustration. Chuck Swindoll said that, by the way. But that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And that's what persecution often does. It will spread like wild fire. Look at verse 5 with me. It says they went down to Samaria. So a test of sympathy because of the Jewish attitude towards the Samaritans. And then we also see that Philip did what? He preached Christ. Not a creed, not a church, but Christ. Wasn't negative. He wasn't denouncing Samaritan error. I think we're pretty good at that in the church today. Let's point out why everybody else is wrong. Simply that Christ is the Messiah. That should be the message. That is what we should preach. And we need to preach, guys. Because if we're not doing it, who's going to do it? I want to share with you guys a little bit of uh, heady stuff. Um, But it's good to break down the emphasis that the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit inspired for us to catch And here, uh, D.A. Carson wrote this. He said, referring to uh, the book of Acts here in chapter 5, he's referring to, but this ties into Philip. It says that the believers never stopped teaching and preaching the Messiah is Jesus. It never stopped. Has it? 2,000 years later, why are you here today? Because believers have never stopped preaching. Okay? Okay. And as the Greek really must be rendered, and he lays all all the Greek, um, Christians are found preaching the word, as we see here in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Philip is preaching the good news about the kingdom of God. And then in chapter uh, 8, verse 12, and once again, the verb is found with its modifiers, meaning simply to preach the gospel or the like. In Acts chapter 8, verse 25, verse 40, chapter 14, verse 7, um, and verse 21, chapter 16, and verse 10. So we see it over and over again in the book of Acts. The range of the content of preaching connected with the verb is of some interest. Preach Jesus, verse 35. Preach the good news of peace through Jesus, chapter 10, verse 36. Preach the Lord Jesus, Chapter 11, verse 20. Preach that what God promised to the fathers, he has now fulfilled in this generation. Chapter 13, verse 32. Teaching and preaching the word of life, or the word of the Lord. Chapter 15, verse 35. And preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Chapter 17, verse 18. Oh, let me share the next paragraph because it's good too. The verb appears twice in Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 2, and chapter 4, verse 6, where it is used to draw a comparison between the good news that was preached to the Israelites in the desert and the good news preached about Jesus to the author's readers. And it shows up three times in 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 12, verse 25, and chapter 4, verse 6. Always absolutely identified as the word of the Lord. And finally, it showed up twice in Revelation, one in the connection with the eternal gospel, already discussed in chapter 14, verse 6, and then once as the announcement of the mystery of God to God's servant and the prophets in chapter 10, verse 7. But anyways, the point is we get to preach Jesus. This is what believers do. And it's not just an occasion here. No, this is what the church does. We get to preach Christ. And that's what we get to see here. Look at verse 6. 
And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Why does the world not heed today? Because they're not hearing. How can one be saved without a preacher? We must go. We must preach (laughs) that the world may heed. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So some think the success of Philip in Samaria was really um, attributed to or largely due to the influence that his master uh, there had not many years before. Do you guys recall in John chapter 4 the account of our Lord, our Savior, our Master Jesus meeting with a woman at a well? Wasn't she a Samaritan? Why did the people of that city, why did those Samaritans receive him? Could it be, you guys remember the story, didn't she go back and tell everybody? Hey, I just had this talk with this guy. <laughs> he knew everything. <laughs> you need to come. You need, he might be the Messiah. You guys need to come. And we're told all the men came. And Jesus spent time there with them, ministering to them. You think their hearts were ready to receive the word of the gospel to hear about what happened to Jesus? That they crucified this man who had previously been with them, teaching them, and that he not, you know, was in a grave any longer, but had risen from the dead? You think they were ready to hear Philip preach this good news? Probably. And the cool thing is, this is how God works. This is God's way. Okay, um, how do you like Jesus to go before you in your missionary, your evangelical efforts? Wouldn't it be cool? He does. Do you guys know that? He does. Okay, Jesus, to be your front man, paving the way. He is, and he always does. He just does. Okay, I've shared this before, but some of you guys haven't heard it. Um, I used to do a lot of preaching down on the beaches in Southern California. Uh, I loved going down there. Every Friday night, I'd go down with a bunch of friends, and we just go preaching the gospel. Uh, one evening, we pulled into Oceanside, <clears throat> got in the parking lot. There's a huge cliff that you go down some stairs and out to the beach. Let's go get them. I'm ready to run down the stairs. I start running down the stairs, and literally, I feel the Holy Spirit say, Stop! Pray with this man to receive me as his Lord and Savior. I'm like, what? Anyways, this guy, he's a Mexican. He's got his head bumped. He's with his girlfriend and stuff. And I just, I literally step in front of him. And I'm like, you need to pray with me right now to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's like, okay. He takes off his head, bows his head. And he prays with me to receive the Lord. And his girlfriend is there just weeping and weeping. She could barely talk. She was crying so hard. And finally she got it out. We've been praying so long for him. We've been praying for him. The Lord always goes before, guys. He always goes before. It's just the way it is. So the Lord told me to come back to Wisconsin. Well, Friday night, preaching on college. of people well before all the curfew stuff kids used to hang out on the ave and there was a group okay i remember the corner they were at we get together at the coffee shop a bunch of us would pray we'd go out and there was this one group i was sharing with every week and they would just they would laugh they'd see me coming oh here comes the bible thumper again you know week after week trying to share it was always the same group they had all their you know souped up nice vehicles and they had their music bumping really loud it was just their hangout corner that was theirs and every week I would come, and then finally one week, I show up. I'd been sharing for weeks and weeks. And the leader of the group, they start heckling. He's like, knock it off. This guy knows what he's talking about. What? The leader of the group is now going to stand next to me and say, hey, we should listen to what he has to say. We had 15 people that night bow their head to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Months of sharing, nothing. What had the Lord done? Well, talking with him later, his grandfather had started sharing with him the exact same things I had been sharing with him. The Lord had been preparing, and not just him, had prepared this group. 
We see it all the time. One of my favorite ones is when I first started the jail ministry almost six years ago now. Stuff. I'm going in, and something you do is you, you talk to the officers, and you say, hey, I got a request from so-and-so. They want to meet with the chaplain. So I'm, I'm like, I need to meet with so-and-so. Well, they go to get so-and-so, and they come back, but it's not so-and-so. It's some other guy who didn't request. There was a mistake. They called the wrong guy accidentally. Well, I sit down with him, and guess what? The Lord had been preparing this man. He'd been living a life of running from God. He grew up in a pastor's home. Never received Jesus Christ. Just running. The Lord had been preparing this man to hear the gospel. To finally be in a place to receive. The Lord prepared. Because I was supposed to be talking to somebody else who already knew the Lord. Who just wanted to be ministered to. Encouraged in the Lord. And I'm like, well, you're here anyways. Let's talk. (laughs) And come to find out the Lord had been working in this man's life for so long. And then this last Tuesday, I got to do a substitute teaching up in the jail. And I got to share with them the exact same message, scriptures we went through last week. And let me tell you what, guys. We we didn't have time to finish the study. They had so many questions. They were so hungry. But another group of men that came out to Bible study, two of them had never been to a Bible study before. That's one question I asked. How many times this is your first time? Well, two of the men in the back, they didn't have Bibles. One was older. He was late 60s, probably in his 70s. And you could tell he was hard. You guys ever get anybody like that? You try to talk with them, and they just sit there, just looking through you. I could care less. That was him. This man in his late 60s or whatever, by the end of the study, was just in tears. Just in tears. You could see God had been preparing him to receive the word of God, to receive the gospel. It's the first time he came out to his study. It's the first time I ever met him. It wasn't that one study that did it. There was something that got him even to come out to a Bible study. What had God been doing that he would actually sign up to even go? God had been preparing. And that's the thing I love, guys. We're just entering into what God's already doing. We get that blessing. So we get to be a part of it. Now, uh, persecution. It's like a storm that scatters the seed of the word It is disper- and dispersed the sowers and the reapers over many fields. And this is God's way of really extending his kingdom, bringing good out of evil, and making the wrath of man to the praise of him. That's what God does through persecution. And aren't his ways always much higher than ours? You think Satan would learn? (laughs) There's this proverb, you can jot down Proverb 11, verse 24, it says this, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. I love that truth. I love that truth. Um, one of the harder things that I've gone through, I was asked to leave a church that I was ministering at years back. Um, and we had to. There were just scripturally thing, scriptural things that, hey, this is sin. You know, um, God's spoken. We can't continue here. Um, and it was one of the hardest things. It was a church that I grew up in, 27 years. It was uh, one of the neatest seasons in my life, ministry-wise. Uh, I saw young people just really running hard after the Lord, growing young adults, being called into ministry full-time. It was just a real fun season. And just because of sin, <laughs> you know, Satan was able to come in. And we know that he likes to bring division, right? You know, and I'm just, it was one of the hardest things I ever went through. And I'm like, man, God, how could you allow this to happen? How could someone be so prideful and so unrepentive? Why, why, why? You guys ever have that place before God? You just have all the whys? How is this a good thing? So much is happening right now. We see so much good fruit. Man, young people are getting saved like crazy. We got these guys going off to Bible college. They're getting saved and their families are starting to come to church. This is awesome. Why would you allow this to happen? You know, but a little over a decade now, I'm able to look back and you know what's shaken out because of that? Man, 
We have a few churches now that are just teaching the word. More has happened. More people have gotten saved because things have shaken out. And that's one thing that I love when it comes to God. Because his ways are always higher. Because we do. We sit and we like, Lord, you know, I mean, that's just a church split. whoop de do. Our hearts have a hard time reconciling or making sense of we see brothers and sisters being killed. Why is ISIS doing this type of stuff? How is this even allowed? How can people let this continue to happen? We have a hard time with that. But if you look and you study church history, God has always worked through that for his glory. The kingdom has always been added to. And it's because his ways are really higher than ours. He's so much wiser. And he does work the good (laughs) out of bad things to those who love him. And let me tell you what, people who are willing to lay down their life for Jesus, they love him. They're definitely called according to his purposes. We can cling to Romans 8.28 with them. So, there's one who scatters, yet increases more. So we may not see the physical miracles, but we may look confidently at spiritual miracles and transformed lives, and these are equally strong proofs of true evangelism. Where is revival happening? You know, where is God at work? Where are people repenting? Where are people turning to Jesus? You see, we're told here also great joy in that city. See, joy from Christ's perfect pardon, from persuasive power and prized preciousness. That's where joy comes from. And don't we find it, try to find joy in so many other things? And it's right there in God. He's to be our joy, brothers and sisters. So, let's move on to sorcerers for the Savior. I love this passage. Look at verse 9 here. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because they were astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. So, Magic was a significant form of religious expression in the ancient world. That's something they looked for. That's something they wanted. Eventually, uh, (laughs) evidently here, this guy, Simon, was no trickster, but he used satanic arts. Okay, there was some power there. It's like spiritism today. Okay, it's a mixture of fraud and demonic power under the guise of religion. I spoke with a gal for a half an hour this week at the pantry. She's a Wiccan. She's into paganism. She came out of the Lutheran church, grew up in a Christian church. Do you guys know that most Wiccans today, I think it's 90 plus percent, come out of Christian churches, Christian kids, because they're already open to spiritual things. Okay, Very easy to get twisted and caught up into this other stuff. But Satan is alive. Okay? There are things out there, and people are drawn to it. stuff. But one of the things, guys, we need to be able to preach Christ. That's what got this Simon guy. He'd been doing this for a long time. Do you think he probably believed in his sorcery or whatever? Probably. The Bible talks about the blind leading the blind. Okay? That's why I have a heart to talk. I, you know, I want to talk to the leaders of these churches. Pastor, I see you going astray. I see you teaching this goofy stuff. Can we talk? Can we sit down and reason together in the scriptures? Because man, if you repent and get right with God, that'll have a big time effect. And for some reason, this man had been doing this for a long time and everybody was following him, believing that he had the power of God. But what does Philip simply do? He just comes on the scene preaching Jesus, right? 
So verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Wow. They placed their trust in the omniscience of the living God. He is all-powerful. Look, look at God. It's Jesus who rose from the dead. It's him. He is all-powerful. And I love it. They preached and these people came to faith and got baptized. They got baptized. I'm going to bring this up just because I had the conversation within the last week. Baptizing children. We don't do it. Why? Because it's never seen anywhere in Scripture. What we do see is this right here set before us. What happened? Christ is preached, and you guys can look up the Greek for men and women. These are adults, okay? They got baptized. You believe, and you get baptized. Babies don't believe. We don't know when they're going to come to believe. We don't know if they're ever going to come to faith. They might spend their whole life rejecting God, and they think they're okay in doing it because, hey, you were baptized as a baby. You got your ticket in. That is a lie. What we do see is we must preach Christ. Can't believe without hearing the good news. And once you do get saved, you should be baptized. Yeah, I believe. I'm going public. That simple. So, yet great power is met by greater power. That's what's happening here. Look at, actually, um, ah, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. Luke chapter 11, if you're taking notes. Luke 11, verse 21 and 22. It says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. So as Jesus spoke that, that's the truth. Okay? There is one greater. We know the great I am. And he is the one we preach. And when he comes on scene, nothing else is going to compare no matter how great and how good, nothing's going to come close. So, both men and women were baptized, indicating here a new allegiance. And Simon's influence was evidentially weakened and neutralized by the preaching of the gospel. So when we see Goofy happening, what should we do? Preach the gospel. Teach the word of God. Tell people the truth. And this gives great hope for places where there are very superstitious and strong demonic influences. Okay, It's going to be the word of God. Verse 13, it tells us Simon believed and was baptized. Okay, I can see Simon sporting uh, his new sorcerers for Savior, for the Savior t-shirt. Can you guys see that? Yeah, go Jesus. Um, so fire from heaven. Let's look at verse 14 here. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had, had or he, or for, sorry, verse 16, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So no one had yet told them of the Holy Spirit. Peter informs them of this great possibility and they eagerly open uh, the windows of their souls to receive this gift from God. Okay? The Holy Spirit is, the, is so essential in our walks, in our lives, guys. And there are believers out there that have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. We read here that the Holy Spirit come upon them. Okay? And you might be here this morning. Man, I believe, but I have never sensed any empowering by God. You probably haven't been baptized in the Spirit of God. Come and ask for prayer. We'll pray. God desires to give the Holy Spirit to all. And we see this. Some people believe that, hey, once I'm saved, I just have the Holy Spirit. But we see passages like this throughout Scripture. Hey, we believed, we were baptized, but there's no empowering of the Holy Spirit in our life. What's going on? And you guys know we talk about dead religions or dead churches out there. They're not really dead. 
They just don't have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And some of them, they believe the gospel. They believe, hey, Christ is the only way. We need to get baptized. Go public with our faith. But hey, talking about the Holy Spirit, we don't do that here at this church. No. The Bible talks about it a whole lot. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to send you a helper. You need the Holy Spirit. I want to consider with you guys a thinking point on this for a second. Let's step back and consider John. He came down with Peter, right? What do you think John, what was going through his mind? One of the sons of thunder, right? When he asked Jesus if he could call fire down from heaven. Hey, let's just do in these Samaritans, you know? Um, He now returns to the place with reports that, hey, men's lives there. These people that I wanted to see fire, just smote them, just finish them. Those people are getting saved. What do you think was going on in John's head here? Let's turn to Luke chapter 9 together. We'll, we'll read this passage because I, I don't know. It was one of these things this week I was considering. I'm just like, that's so cool that John got to go back and see what God was up to. And I hope it'll speak to you and I in the same way. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 51 and on. It says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, verse 52, and he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered into the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and to consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and he rebuked them. He said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man, he did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And as they went to another village, this must have been a long walk for them. The kind where God talks and you just listen. But I guess John finally got the call down fire from heaven, right? The Holy Spirit, let me pray for you guys. Holy Spirit of fire upon you to give you life, to empower you. Don't you love that God's so backwards from us? His ways are truly so much farther beyond ours. Um, so John, you were the only one off, <laughs> uh, you, off by what kind of fire to call down and when to call it. So they received the Holy Spirit, a special acknowledgement of God working in Samaria, recognizing them as being a part of the universal church. Now, the next section we're going to go through uh, is going to deal with Simon a little bit more. Um, and there's a lot of controversy. I read a lot of different commentaries this week, and um, people have different takes on this. And as we read through this, I'm just going to share, share with you what I think. Uh, but let's, let's read the, the, the context here. Look at verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to them, Your money perish with you, because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart It is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness and pray, God, if he perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by the bitterness and you're bound by iniquity. And then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in the many villages of the Samaritans. So tradition gives him a permanent place as a heretic. Even uh, we get our word uh, simony, from which uh, encarta to buy or selling of sacred spiritual things. Um, But was Simon a heretic? That's the question. That's what I've heard taught before. Is he a heretic? 
Well, somebody who holds to a belief that contradicts established religious teaching. Okay, that's what a heretic is. Or maybe he was a hypocrite, as some have put out there. Somebody that gives a false appearance of having uh, admiral principles or beliefs or um, feelings or whatever. Or was he a backslider? Is that ever considered with this guy? A believer who relapsed into bad behaviors. I believe the third here. Look at verse 13. He believed and was baptized. You guys can look it up yourselves. It's the same words that are used in verse 12. Genuine belief. Real baptism. So why do you read in falsity, insanity, and hypocrisy? Why do we do that? Also, we're told that he continued with Philip. Here's a man who believed, is baptized, and he continues with this evangelist. Verse 18 and 19, Simon learns an important lesson as a new believer. Okay? I believe Simon is suddenly tempted along old lines. In verse 21, in this matter, Peter says, in what matter? Is it speaking about salvation here? Is there any indication that it's talking about salvation? No, not at all. I've heard that taught. That's not what it says. At least I don't see it. The matter of being able to have this power that the apostles had, that's the problem. That's the matter at hand that he's addressing. And he tells them that your heart isn't right. It's not straight. It's not upright. You got a heart problem, bro. (laughs) What's going on? And he tells them in what? Verse 22, you need to repent and you need to pray. So would this be said to an unconverted, okay, with no mention of faith in Christ's saving power? Is that what you tell a person? No, you share the gospel if that's the problem. No, you're a brother. You need to repent, <laughs> repent bro. <laughs> you're wrong. You need to pray. So the counsel of Peter is more appropriate to a backslider than a hypocrite. At least that's what I see here. So look at the stern language that Paul uses to another sorcerer who really was a scoundrel. Okay, It's like, hey, Peter spoke this way to this guy. I want to look at one other guy with you guys. Turn to chapter 13 for a second. This is another sorcerer. We'll pick it up in verse 8, but I want you guys to really catch verse 10 when we read it. Acts chapter 13, verse 8. But Elymas, a sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, you will not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord. And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed, and when he saw what it had been done, being astonished at the teachings of the Lord. Okay, so the thought is one singular thought of which Simon was guilty. Okay, Paul deals pretty harshly with this guy. He wasn't unrepentant, he wasn't a believer, but it was the thought, a singular thought, hey, I can pay some money and I can have this gift that the apostles also have. And the sad thing is today, we have a lot of brothers and sisters that are paying a lot of money because they want to have this experiential high, a touch of the Holy Spirit. If I just could get anointed by that man, that's sick and twisted, guys. And there are those men out there, hey, we're going to have a small group, but it costs this much money, and if you can come, you will be personally anointed for empowering a ministry. You could have a ministry like mine. It's twisted, guys. And we have that thought even here in the valley, guys. There's churches that are caught up into this stuff. We need to pray. We need to preach Jesus. And if we do have brothers and sisters that are caught up into this weird stuff, thinking that God can be bought, (laughs) gifts could be bought, Man, call them to repent. Pray with them. 
You see, he did not slide back into an old mold of life or into applying his old standards to his new life. It could be whatever. So I think the thing that you and I need to consider is what old way did you fall back into when you first got saved? Okay? God sets us free. When you come to salvation, it's a beautiful thing. Man, (laughs) I'm new in Christ. My sins are forgiven. This clean slate, we don't even understand clean slate at that time, but we know there's a newness in life. (laughs) We get to go for it, right? But often old temptations resurface quickly, don't they? Old habits are powerful, very often very powerful. Converted drunkards, homosexuals or fornicators, liars, lust for power, longing for popularity, list can go on and on and on. But for a new believer, those things still draw at you, right? Even though we've been set free in Christ, they're still there. So regeneration is not necessarily renovation. Can I say that again? Regeneration is not necessarily renovation. A young Christian is a babe in Christ. That's what we're told, right? It needs to grow in grace in order to withstand temptations. You need to grow. Um, Let's all turn to Galatians 6. Because this is a passage that really exhorts us as believers And really, when the scriptures talk about grace upon grace, I've been walking with the Lord for over a couple decades now. There are graces that we grow in. Even the older we get, there are new graces. Like, hey, I have this for you. (laughs) I see this is coming your way, or this temptation's here, or this matter of life, and he's there for us. And the one thing I think we do as believers is we learn to receive those graces more and more the longer we walk with him, because we begin to learn. It's just like, oh, I can't do it on my own. (laughs) I can't suck it up. I can't do this in my own strength, okay? I know I've been set free. I know Christ is in me. I know he's given me this power, okay? We're more than conquerors in Christ, right? We've been given these things, but it's only by receiving his grace. And it's something we need, that grace upon grace, daily, over and over again. So what do we do? Well, in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken by any trespass, okay? Do you guys ever see that happen? Or are all your friends perfect? Got it all together? Okay. If you have perfect friends, come hang out with me for a while. Um, anyways, if you see a brother who is overtaken by any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Do you guys know that's God's heart? I hate when we see a brother or sister blow it and we just want to throw him under the bus. Man, he's off. Forget him. We're done with him. Is that the heart of God? No. But why is the church like that? Anyways, (laughs) it says restore such a one in what? The spirit of gentleness. We need to do it gently too. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Okay? So that's an exhortation we're given in Scripture. And you may see a brother or sister that's going through it. Pray for them. Get on your knees. Before you talk to them about whatever it is, you get on your knees first. Get your heart right. And then you who are spiritual, you go restore that person in gentleness. There are brothers and sisters who are not here this morning in fellowship with us because of sin. That's just the reality of it. And we have to ask, has any of us come alongside them? Have we taken the time to really pray? To take the time to speak into their lives? To see restoration happen? That's what we do, church. There was a Christian father who had a daughter with an uncontrollable temper. And when asked for her hand in marriage, he told the young man she was not worthy of him. But he asked in surprise, is she is a Christian, is she not? Yes, was the reply. She is a Christian. But the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. I love that. And that is a truth. It's got to be His grace, guys. So if perhaps 
The adverb perhaps does not mean God is reluctant to forgive sin. The question was whether Simon would repent in his heart's intention. Okay? We don't know a person's heart. I talk with people. They can give me lip service. I know I've been blowing it. I've been sucking it up as a husband. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. We can give lip service all day and say, I repent. But God knows the heart. What's really going on? Are you truly repentive? And that's what we want to see. That's what God wants to see. So Peter hopes to strike a healthy fear and dawning desire for better things. Again, if you want to flip back, we'll look at one last verse here, verse 24 again. A good response, I think, by Simon. He answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. We need to be a praying church. Jesus said my house should be a house of prayer. We need to be praying for one another, guys. So what do we do? We share. We share God's sweet forgiveness, his liberating grace. And the reality is a God of second chances. People need to hear that, especially for our brothers and sisters in the church that are a little legalistic. Because let me tell you what, when you're bent legalistically, you beat yourself up hardcore and you beat up your brothers and sisters in Christ hardcore. And that's not God. That's not his heart. Okay, he set us free. So, how do I keep from backsliding? I am glad you guys asked. Here it is as we wrap up this morning. Allow the spirit of truth to instruct you. Okay? The Holy Spirit. You stop. (laughs) Just stop. Well, God, I have this agenda. This is what I want. Stop. God. What's the truth in this? What do you want in this? Also, that the Holy Spirit makes you sensitive, uh, makes you sensitive, your conscience sensitive to Him. Pray for that. Okay? I know my heart. God, you said it's wicked, it's deceitful. (laughs) Help me to be in tune with you. Help me to be in tune with you in that way. Also, be praying that the spirit of power triumph over your old nature. You guys know that God's empowered you? Walk in that victory. Walk in that truth. Also, that the spirit of love expel everything else from your heart. You know? This life is long. There's just always stuff going on in our hearts. Okay? I look at our hearts as they're a beautiful mess. <laughs> you know, God's given us. If you're in Christ, He's given you. You know, not a heart of stone any longer. He takes that, throws it away. He gives you a heart of flesh, a new heart. Man, our hearts go through a lot in this life. Okay? There's heartbreak. There's times we feel that our life is just in pieces. But God is so faithful and so good at taking care of our hearts, putting things back together, remolding. You know, I feel like things that were good in life, past seasons in life, hey, you get to a point, oh, doing real good, Lord. This has been sweet. Yeah, it has been, you know. This has been a beautiful work, but I'm not done. I want to start working on this part of your heart now. (laughs) Oh, no. But he's faithful, guys. He loves us too much to just let us continue on, okay? Um, Again, verse 25. So when they had taught verse by verse it didn't say that (laughs) it says when they testified did you guys catch that do you guys know that there's power in testimony we need to be sharing our experiences god is alive and if you're born again god's working in your life and that's something we get to share with the world the world doesn't think that's true or that's a reality oh you born againers you're all nuts you think you know god You know, really, that's what the world thinks of us. But when you testify what God's doing, they can't deny that. They can't say you're lying. Just share what God's doing in your life. So they testify. So Peter and John were telling their own stories of their Christian experience. Hey, we walked with Jesus. This is what God's doing. This is what he's doing now. Man, we just killed Stephen. And as a result, you Samaritans are getting saved. This is awesome. (laughs) 
So this is always helpful to follow up the work of a new convert. Okay? I always tell new people that come to faith in Christ, share with people what God's doing in your life. Share how he just got your heart, how you got saved. Share. And we're also told the preaching of the word. So they testified and they were preaching the word. Okay, we need to do that. I think we preach the word pretty good at Freedom. Our small group times, it's normally around the word of God, right? We go verse by verse through the scripture. We're taking the whole word of God seriously. Those are good things. I, as your brother in Christ, not just as your pastor, but your brother, I'd love to hear more testimony given in our church. I would love to see that happen. I would love for my phone to ring this week and say, hey, pastor, guess what? God's been doing this in my life. Awesome. Would you share at church on Sunday? Aren't you guys encouraged when brothers and sisters share what God's doing? I am. And I know God's doing stuff. Let's share with one another. Let's give place for that to happen. So the preaching of the word. So there's this new messianic Samaritans ready for Bible study and instruction in their faith. I love it. As I look around this morning, we have empty seats. Bums me out a little bit. Because I know the word of God is what we need. We need this. God has given us all that pertains to life. His ways are the right ways. But so many of us, we miss out. I'm tired. I don't want to go to church today. <laughs> no, we need time, guys, to be in the word. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. We need to be in that place where we're receiving instruction every day. Because you might be like me. I'm forgetful. I'm forgetful. You just need that daily time. Okay, Lord, <laughs> you're asking me to do this. You're asking me to be gentle. You're asking me to live at peace with all people. I'm a little fired up once in a while, and I don't want to be at peace like yesterday morning. Okay, knocking on my door. Saturday morning, who shows up at your house on Saturday mornings? I look at Sunny. Somebody's knocking at our door. I got razzed up. I'm just like, oh man, these JWs are going to get it. I was fired up. <laughs> I open the door and it's the Carlsons there to share Jesus Christ with me. <laughs> They're like, Pastor, you said last week no one ever shares the gospel with you, so here we are, which I'm totally blessed by. And it was a good thing it was them because my heart was not normally in that place where I want to be confrontational. Like I already had it all in my head. I'm going to challenge them about their translators. They don't even know who they are. Their Bible's and they're all going to hell and this like you know i was ready but let me tell you what guys we need to be in that place where we're in the word because honestly a little bit of fellowship thank you for coming over yesterday just that little bit of fellowship i told sonny right after you left man that was good for my heart you know because we talked about things of the lord things that are right and we're forgetful we're forgetful man just a day without the word man yeah our minds can get so messed up and we need to come back to that place. So brothers and sisters, be in the word and don't take for granted this time that we have together, small groups that we have. Okay, God's given those as gifts, really. And we should be thankful. We should partake. So, we also see here a linkage of the apostles in Jerusalem with the new believers in Samaria. Isn't that cool what God's doing here in the early church? Isn't that cool? You know, I would love, I'd love to see that happening, okay? Um, one of the things that I have a hard time with, like, I spoke before, why are we always pointing what's wrong with everybody else? It's easy to point out all that stuff, how they're just missing it. We should just preach Christ. And when we just preach Christ, that stuff happens. I told you guys I was up in the jail on Tuesday. I'm just preaching the word. We're in scripture. We must cover about 30 scriptures and stuff. And questions were coming up about Catholicism like crazy. Well, what about, why this? this well, if, you're, if the Bible says this, if God says this, what about this? And that's what preaching the word does. It just opens people's eyes to what's right and what's wrong. Okay? But I would love that the preaching of the word of God was taken seriously, that we would go and evangelize and preach and share. Wouldn't it be so cool if in 10 years from now, God moved in such a way because God's kids were just out preaching the gospel that there was no more talk of Catholicism, that I could go into a jail setting and it wasn't 
about the Catholics being wrong. It's just, hey, it's all about this Jesus who loves me, who died for me. He's asking me to repent, to turn to him, to live with him forever. I think that'd be beautiful if we could be done with denominations. And it's only going to come when we're preaching the word, when we're preaching Jesus, guys. Because as long as we're preaching everything else that's not true, people are going to be caught up in all that stuff that's not true. And they hear enough of that stuff. What people need to hear is Jesus. Share the word with them. Get in a Bible study. For a little while, I was up in Seymour. They had an old guy's Bible study. They were all Catholics, and they were studying Psalm 119. And it was so cool because they were having Bible study. And I didn't once share with them why they were wrong and what they believed because some goofy stuff was coming up during the studies. I didn't say, hey, you're wrong. I would say, hey, because they're already open to the Bible. They're studying Psalm 119. Hey, have you guys ever read this in the Gospel of John? We just read scripture. And then they would have their conversations. We just get to share the word, guys. Share it well. Also remember, the way to turn enemies, uh, to turn your enemies into friends, make them brothers or sisters in Christ. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? You know, can't stand them. They hate me as a Christian. Cool. Get on your knees, start praying for them, start preaching the gospel to them. You'll be your brother or sister in Christ. Okay? Try that with your next enemy. Try that. Since Charlie Vanderheiden's not here this morning, I'll share this. Um, when Charlie, I first met Charlie, I did not like him. Okay? He was coming around because there was a young Christian gal as a part of the youth ministry. Um, and he was there. I knew he was, that was the reason he was there. So I didn't like him at all. But you know what? He kept coming around. He kept hearing about this Jesus. You know what ended up Char- happened to Charlie? He ends up getting saved. <laughs> no longer my enemy. <laughs> it's not my brother and my Lord. It ends up being my best man in my wedding. You know? So pray <laughs> for your enemies. All right. One last story because I thought this was fun. Um, a reporter was interviewing an old man on his 100th birthday. What are you most proud of? He asked. Well, said the man, I don't have any enemies in the world. What a beautiful thought. How inspirational, said the reporter. Yep, added the man, outlived every last one of them. (laughs) Oh, another one I'll share with you. Not to be funny, but it it makes a point here. There was a holy man who was engaged in his morning meditation under a tree whose roots stretched out over a riverbank. And during his meditation, he noticed that the river was rising and a scorpion caught in its roots was about to drown. He crawled out on the roots and he reached down to free the scorpion. But every time he did so, the scorpion struck back at him. An observer came along and said to the holy man, don't you know that that's a scorpion? And it's in its nature of a scorpion is to want to sting. To which the holy man replied, that may well be, but it is in my nature to save. I must, or must I change my nature? Because a scorpion does not change its nature. If you guys would stand with me, we'll pray. Father, we we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for how when we came to know you, we put our faith in you, how you really turned our lives upside down. Father, the way we think. Father, the way we live. I know that we haven't arrived. Lord, we look so forward to heaven for uh, finally being with you without having to deal with all uh, this sin that's in this fallen world or just the sin nature that we have. 
this to be set free. We look forward to that. But we know that you're doing a work, you're sanctifying, and we're so thankful for that, God. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters that you would just continue to work on them, give them the grace that's needed in their lives, Father, to really be growing, to receive what they need, Lord. Some need to cling uh, to the truth and allow your word to instruct them, Lord, that your spirit would just lead them, God. We ask for your spirit of holiness to really make us sensitive, Lord, to uh, your leading and to your instructions, Father. And I just want to pray, Lord, that you'd help us God, to have uh, victory over our old nature, that we'd be able to walk in the newness of life that you've given to us. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you that you've given us the privilege as ambassadors to go and preach it to the world. I pray that you'd give us the boldness to do so. Father, I know fear can be crippling, but you also have told us that perfect love casts out fear. Would you help us to treasure you and to be so in love with you God, it would be natural just to share that love with others, to speak the good news. And I thank you so much, Father, for the example that you've given us this morning, Lord, and our, our brother Philip. God, going to a people you probably shouldn't have been hanging out with, at least that's what the world thought. I pray that you'd open our hearts, Lord, to go to those who are outcasts, who are hurting. Give us wisdom and discernment to see or it might be that person just sitting on a, a bench in a park or on the side of a road walking who might need a ride. Or it's someone that we're working with. Could even be a husband or a wife. Lord, just show us how we can love and encourage others today, Father. And I thank you so much for this church family and what you're doing here, God. I just pray for us. You protect us. Keep our hearts open, Lord, to your leading. And as we take your word seriously, God, I pray that you would just really allow it to go deep in our lives, God, that we would uh, just be bearing fruit. Lord, I know there's many seasons in life. And God, we just want to be in that place where we're just um, doing what you want. God, so whatever season, whatever part of that season it may be, I just pray my brothers and sisters would be encouraged today knowing that you're in control. Just help us, Father, to abide well. We ask in your name. Amen? Amen. All right, benediction scripture. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Love it.